Hey, folks, welcome on into the Locked on MLB mock draft. I'm Lindsey Crosby, host of Locked on MLB Prospects. He's Jeff Ellis, host of Locked on Guardians. And together we are alternating for the first locked, uh, locked on mock draft of the year. So the way this will work, uh, I have the odds. Jeff has the evens. We are doing this mock as if we are these teams. So we're going to give you our picks. We're going to give you our justifications. Um, what am I forgetting, Jeff? We good? Um, are we do I, I get. We're doing it as what we think the teams are going to do today, correct? Or are we doing yes. our big? Yeah. Okay. No, no, no. Yes, we are doing. Yes, this is uh, what the teams are going to do. So you know, if you are say the Mets, you are going to draft a guy and then not offer him a contract and let him go back into the draft. Like that's the thing you're going to do. So, all right, first pick. So I am the Baltimore Orioles. And with the first overall pick in the locked on mock draft, uh, and this, this was tough for me, but uh, I am taking Drew Jones, the outfielder from Wesleyan. And we were talking before the mics came on. There's a lot of conversation about one Baltimore's so often has gone under slot with a college guy and save that money for something later. And the for those of you who are new to the MLB draft, the analogy there is like trading down in the draft. Okay, um, you can take a lesser talent here, save the money, and get a better talent later. Um, I think that in this one is this class is just lacking in like that top end talent. And I think if you like this is one, go ahead and get the 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 player versus trying to take in the quantity because you have a good farm system. Uh, and and the point that you made is we don't have a ton of middle infielders in this system. So you, I mean, absolutely could have seen something like a Jackson holiday here. I really considered that. Uh, and then it just came down to me. I think that Drew Jones is just going to just has better top end potential here. I think if he, Develops the way that he's projected. The The most optimistic projection is, I mean, perennial all-star type player. And that's just something I don't think you can skip over at one. No, yeah, I agree. It's He's kind of put himself in that top group. And the last time we've really had a guy who was in, you know, head and shoulders, it was, it was you know, Adley. So they, mm -hmm. they when they had top talent, they took top talent. You know, that, that kind of sleeper guy there. I just, I wonder if it's... um if it's Jackson holiday, cause of the lack of any up the middle talent in that system. Yeah. But uh, I get that, uh, you know, moving on to the second overall pick Arizona outside of the 2020 draft. If you put that one to the side, they have always gone of late ceiling and upside. They have been mm -hmm. one of the teams that we see that ceiling and upside with. And you kind of go back to that 2020 draft. And, you know, if I'm looking over here at their top prospect list on, list on fan graphs, you don't see any of those names in there. So it hasn't necessarily worked out um, for them with that class. So I think they're going to go for ceiling. When you look at this group, I think everyone agrees there's a clear top six talent. Mm -hmm. You selected one, so we have five names left. And for me at this point, it comes down to Jackson Holiday and Elijah Green. And... Green has the bigger tools. I think most agree. He is the toolsier player, but would they, you know, it, they have a preponderance of outfield prospects, but they also took Jordan Lawler a year ago. So going back and forth a little bit on that. And, but here's the thing. I look at their top prospects, Cor uh, Corbin Carroll, Alec Thomas, Jordan Lawler athletes. So uh, I'm going to go with Elijah Green here. You know, he was supposed to be the guy in this class and, I don't necessarily think it's a knock on him that he isn't. I think it's just uh, we saw too much of him. 
I mean, it's hard for anyone to carry it as long as he carried it. So yeah. for me, I think just knowing Arizona, Arizona, knowing ceiling is their thing. I think right now the biggest ceiling is Elijah Green. What are your thoughts on that? Is, is he the big ceiling guy right now as well in your mind? That makes sense to me. And I think it's it's something where it's like you said, one, it's hard to carry that for the entire draft season. Uh, but but I get it. And, and I think he, the athletes that they have, they can move a guy if they feel like they have too much at one position. They can move a guy to a different spot on the field. I think it'll work out okay. Um, I like that pick. I think I'm good with that pick. Elijah Green there too. Uh, for me, we narrowed down that group of six, right? Uh, and I know that the Rangers, and I just, and my my listeners have have heard this already once before, but like in the first round, I don't worry as much about a position of a guy. I'm not worried about, like say, somebody's going to take Kevin Parada, and if somebody takes Kevin Parada and they have a catcher, a star catcher prospect already, I'm not worried about that because first round talent kind of overrules a lot of that. Um, so, they have a lot of middle infield prospects. They have two guys signed to a ton of money to play the middle infield. But I still think for the Texas Rangers, I'm taking Jackson Holiday here. Uh, something where we've seen multiple guys uh, from the from the organization going out there, getting multiple eyes on him. I think the left-handed swing would fit in nice with the lineup. Um, great athleticism, good hit, good hit tool, good power tool. Um Jackson Holiday is the pick for me. Yeah, my my one thing I all I've heard is high schoolers connected with them. My one uh, resident ret, retinin, I can't say the word. My one my one concern with that is I don't think they have drafted a you know a high school prospect high since Cole Wynn and Owen White. Now both of them are top prospects, but I will say that's if you want kind of a, a sleeper heading into that, one of the college guys could be. But again, that's that goes against everything that is being said. Uh, so that's, I, I totally get why, you know, and again, short stops arise. If we're going to continue, you know, we talked about trading down the yeah. quarterback of the, the MLB draft is the shortstop. It, mm-hmm. They always rise on draft day brings us to Pittsburgh. I think Pittsburgh hit it out of the park last year. We were talking beforehand. Like I, I, I had Henry Davis number one on my board because of the flexibility he provided financially, mm-hmm. as well as his ceiling. You know, they're building things up there. And when you look at this class, I think, you know, I know one could look at Parada and mm-hmm. be like, oh, they took a catcher a year ago. Now, remember, uh, San Francisco took uh, Joey Bart, Patrick Bailey back to back years. It doesn't really mean anything. It, teams always need catchers. There's always value yeah. in that. But I still think the top college players, Brooks Lee, I had a late first round grade on him out of high school. Uh, he he just he checks all the boxes like he's got good walk rates, good strikeout rates. He makes uh, he's excellent in terms of his contact skills. Son of a coach, playing for his dad at Cal Poly. Young for the class, I want to say as well. All those little things stand out. Now, he has been beat up from time to time. That's a concern. And yeah, he's a shortstop who's probably going to play third or maybe second. But he just hits. He plays well. I, I think he's a safe player. And I think kind of looking at this grouping, I could be wrong here. But I think he might also be cheaper than Parada just because of... Um, positional value and the thought that he's not really a shortstop. So I'm going to go with Brooks Lee. Cause I, again, I still think he's the top college player and I think Pittsburgh will lean college here. Yeah. And you know, I just had a crossover with, with Ethan of locked on pirates the other day. And I think that this Pittsburgh team has the ability to compete sooner rather than later. And I see Brooks Lee as a guy who could probably move pretty quickly 
through your system and be able to contribute. Um, so I, I like the Brooks Lee pick. Uh, at five, I feel really bad for Mike Rizzo because we know Mike Rizzo loves a good college pitcher, and there's just not co- college pitchers at five in this class. There's nobody to take. May not be one at 25. But exactly. And so it's, I'm like, I feel bad for this guy. I mean, that's the thing that he does. Um, but he, you know, so, but kind of projecting off of that, he still likes the college players, the proven college players. Um, positional thing is weird here, but I'm going to give him Kevin Parada, the Georgia Tech. The, the catcher. And this is something, again, first round, I don't necessarily worry too much about doubling up. Obviously, you have Keep It Ruiz there. Uh, plus, I'm not 100% convinced Kevin Prada will end up eventually at catcher. But uh, I think he's something, if he if he's able to stay back there, you think about a guy who's, I mean, 40 homer potential, could hit high 200s, 280, 290. One of the more complete bats in the class. Um Sleeper, you probably could have gone with a third baseman like a Cam Collier or something, but I think Kevin Parada is probably the pick here. No, I, I, I've kind of had that or Lee locked in there. It depends yeah. on you know how things play out. Or, um, yeah, it's just kind of it's there. My one rule with Washington is they like, yeah, they like sliding talent, but they're picking five, so it's hard to say who the sliding talent is in this class yeah. when you're picking five. Uh, Miami, speaking of teams that uh, jumped on sliding talent recently, uh, Khalil Watson a year ago. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I know this year it's been a bit of a slow start for him. It's kind of the knock. But I think they took just the best talent on the board. And when you go back and you look at guys like J.J. Blade, you know, Max Meyer may not have been the top guy on the board, but he's certainly played well enough that I don't think anyone's really debating that. Uh, They are a team that isn't afraid to take risks, like with Dax Fulton in that 2020 class. So I think just looking at them, they are picking sixth. It is a six-player draft. Tamar Johnson may not have a position. You know, he might be a second baseman. He might be a first base. He might be a DH. What we do know is he can hit. Like he uh-huh. is probably more than more than the other prep players in this class. Uh, I think he's the safest bat. Like those other players have more of a defensive ceiling. They have other tools, but I think he has the safest bat. I think he's the one you look at from this prep class. You know, like he's gonna. It's going to be surprising if he doesn't work as a hitter. We can debate where he ends up positionally, but just as a hitter, I have no concerns about him. And I think, again, when you're picking six, you know, unless someone like Baltimore does something crazy, which they have done, uh, you're just sitting back and seeing who's left. Yeah. And it's something where like immense pitching depth there. So they, you know, you have to think, and plus not a great year for pitchers in the, you know, in the first place. So I get it. It makes total sense. I like the pick. Um, I think in that case, you're looking at a guy like a, you know, flipping around here, the Cubs at seven. I'm probably going to take a Cam Collier. I agree. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a six player draft. Number six doesn't go to six to take him at seven. It's kind of, kind of just falls in your lap. And it's something where, um, I mean, he's for a young player, he's, he's got a lot of tools. Um, plus hit tool, very good eye at the plate. I see him as probably a, a, 30 home run guy. I think they probably would have taken Namar Johnson if he was there, but he's not. So take Cam Collier. My, my comp on the podcast when I released my big board last week was Cabron Hayes. Like that's son of a big league third baseman. That's the a good power. One. I think, I think there's some room for that, but I, I agree. That's, that's exactly who I would have taken there. So I don't have really a coda or anything else to state uh, except for to move on to my selection, which, you know, I'm sitting here 
at uh, at eight with the Minnesota Twins for a second. I forgot I was evens and I was afraid I was the Royals and I don't want to get into the mind of, of Drayton Moore. So Minnesota is interesting because they they, you know, the head of the front office came from the Guardians. Mm-hmm. They had a very Guardians like approach. And then they started to shift and they would take a lot of college talent. Like Royce Lewis was a very Guardians like pick uh, Trevor mm-hmm. Larnock and Alex Kirloff. Not as much because those were corner guys. And, and then last corner guy. Yeah. Corner guy. And then they took uh, Chase Petty, who was kind of shocking for a team that really is not invested in pitching, let alone prep pitching last year. So they, I feel like anything's in play with this pick uh, just going through though, like you're connecting the lines and what they've done. You look at Sabato, you look at Brent Rooker, you look at a team, you know, Trevor Larnock, like one could argue this is a team that loves to draft DHs. Uh, and when you got, Jackson uh, Barry sitting there, who to some this is a, or Jackson Jacob Barry, to some this is a seven player class, not a six player class, but a seven player class. And he is up there in that group to some play uh, people. So, as a team that has not been afraid to draft a DH, for a team that has looked at offense first and then everything else second, I think he just makes sense. I think at this point on the board, he fits uh, style approach and just general league consensus value. Yeah. And, and I mean, a guy that, I've seen reports talking about 70 hit tool, possibly uh, power, you know, 60 or so, uh, which if you kind of project out as something like a 300 hitter with 30 home runs. So um, yeah, that would be a, that'd be fantastic. I don't necessarily know where he plays, but I don't think they care. I mean, you got corner athlete spots, you got first base, you got DH, they'll find a place to put them. Um, I do get to do the Royals pick here and I'm very excited about that. Uh, but first, today's episode is brought to you by our friends at Rock Auto. There are so many makes and models of cars. It is virtually impossible, Jeff, to figure out uh, for like the local store down the street to have the parts that you need. So th- you're going to go in there. They're going to ask you all those questions. Hey, like, is this an LX or an EX? Is this the sport package or not? All of that stuff just for them to tell you, oh, yeah, by the way, we don't have the part. We can order it for you. Skip all of that. Save the time. Save the money. Go to rockauto.com. Uh, you can save 30%, 50% off of the same part you would buy at a chain um, store or a car dealership uh, because Rock Auto is a family business that has been serving DIYers for over 20 years with reliable little prices for every single customer. So go to rockauto.com right now, see all the parts available for your car or truck, and write locked on in the how did you hear about us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliable little prices, and all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. I really have no idea what Dayton Moore is going to do. They're going to take Robert um, Moore, right? They're going to. This is going to be like when Kenny Williams drafted Kenny Williams Jr. and gave him the, an obscene bonus. It's the nepotism. Yeah. Um. No. Like I've been. I've been telling myself I was not going to do that pick. I was not going to. I was not going to do that. So my my thought is like after Franco Mazzucchino, I've been kind of leading into the the Robbie Snelling of it. But uh, you know, I, I have no idea there. They yeah outside. I mean, it's what have they? When was the last time they didn't take a pitcher? It's just been all. It's just pitching city there, and they can't develop any of them. So it's almost like a comedy of errors right now with Kansas yeah. City. And I'd love to give them a pitcher, but it's just something where, like, not really. There's not a pitcher who's worthy of a top ten pick right now. It's just not in this class. Uh, so I, I think I'm going to go a little bit outside of the box. I'm going to give them. They've got uh, some heralded infielders. Obviously, Bobby Witt just got called up. Things like that. I'm going to give them uh, somebody for the outfield. So I'm thinking, especially after the uh, the postseason that he's having right now, Gavin Cross, the outfielder from Virginia Tech, uh, going to the Royals at nine. I feel like it's a little early for this, but at the same time, I just, 
I mean, I think he'd have been great for for the Twins at eight, honestly. But I just I can't think of who else. The Royals are going to do something crazy, and until I can predict that, I'm just going to go with what I think is the right thing to do, and then let them prove me wrong. Yeah, I don't. You know, they're kind of all over the place, and it's like it's just been the fact that they keep drafting arms, but they have. You know, it was like a in our group chat. I made the joke about. I think it was with the Royals. It's like there was a trade occurred and someone asked you like, Hey, can I get some information? And there's me being a, a, a jerk and very snidely like, well, Hey, he's coming from the Royals. That means he's got some development left in him just because <laughs> they don't, they just don't develop pitchers. Don't, I don't know why it's like, they, they don't want to do it. They don't want to do it. And the one thing we know is they won't draft any pitcher under six foot three. So that's the one thing we, if they do go pitcher, you can just start eliminating like Dylan Lesko would have never been in play to that. Nope. But, Too uh, short. Too short. So yeah, it's you know they discriminate I, against short kings is what they yes. do. So I, uh, which is funny because uh, wasn't Ventura like f- an undersized guy for them before he unfortunately passed away? Like wasn't he not a big pitcher? Maybe I'm wrong, and but in my mind, I'm thinking he was not the biggest guy. I think he was shorter. Yeah, you're right. You're yeah, right. they had success and then they ignore it. But you know, going from one kind of depressing minor leagues on a bad team to a second <laughs> depressing minor leagues on a bad team, Colorado Rockies. Uh, in <laughs> interesting uh team uh for all the wrong reasons yeah like okay so everyone who knows me for those who don't who are just uh, used to Lindsay, i i used to write a scout i used to write a 24 7 as a draft prospect analyst and, and draft analyst and i do a lot of like deep digging and i sat there and it was something like almost a decade before zach bean that they had like last drafted a prep player but now they've gone you know, prep players, high ceiling types in back-to-back years. And, you know, Drew Romo, I was kind of surprised when they were able to sign him. I thought, like, I had heard he was going to college, but he's actually turned out to be one of their better recent selections. Yeah. So when you look at, like, who's available at 10, like, I'm just kind of looking at, like, who are the ceiling guys. And I feel like someone who is rising, and, you know, we can we can talk about just throughout this list already. It's like Drew, Drew Jones, who, you know, Andrew Jones, Brooks Lee's dad being a Cal Poly coach. Jackson Holiday, Matt Holiday, Elijah Green, Eric Green, Cam Collier, Luke Collier. I think if and there's there's so many other like guys lined up for this, so you can't even necessarily guess. But I think Justin Crawford from Bishop Gorman in Nevada, son of Carl Crawford, fits with Benny Montgomery and Zach Veen is that like ceiling athlete power potential. There are some concerns, but that's also a really good developmental high school. And that stuff matters. Mm-hmm. You talk to teams. They know. Like, okay, he went to, no, this is bad. I'm blanking on the California school that teams love to go to because they always, uh, uh, you know, do such a nice job. Teams know certain programs coach up. Uh, His bloodlines, his power, his size. I think if they're looking for another guy in that vein, and if you're like three years in a row with an outfielder, the minors have nothing in it. Let's be honest. Like, it's not a good minor leagues. So if they sit here and take another one, it's not like that's setting them back because they're already all the way in the back. Yeah. That's a good one. Um, it it kind of leaves me. The Mets are in a weird place here, right? Uh, they like the super athletic guys. I feel like the super athletic guys at this point have been taken early, but it's too early to take, you know, to go out there and get some sort of of pitching, like uh, so some sort of pitcher yet. Um, I guess. He's he's sitting there. It's it's not what Epler likes to do. Like I'll acknowledge that Billy Epler likes the super athletic dudes, um, but I think that they're probably going to save. Like they're going to try to save a little bit of money. Uh, a guy, a cornerstone. You look what they need right now at the big league level. A guy like a Jace Young, 
third baseman from Texas Tech. Um, someone where I honestly thought like he'd be a good fit at 10. So I think he ends up going in 11. And it's simply because there's not that super athletic Justin Crawford type left right here. Um, this is just kind of that, that shallow area of the draft. So Jace from Texas Tech going to the Mets at 11. I think it's a solid pick. Like, I mean, even up to the twins, I think he could be in play. So I think, and I, I to me, he's the best player left on the board. So I, mm-hmm. I, I totally get all of that there. Uh, Detroit Tigers are very interesting because they have never drafted a shortstop in the first round. Uh, or no, that's not true. They've drafted two. Uh, one of them being Scott Moore. And then I'm blanking on who the other one was. This is what I like to tease my Tigers friends about that like every year, you know, we heard last year, they were all about our Marcello Mayer. They were like, mm-hmm. that was number one on the board, number one on the board. No way he's getting, he's there. And then they pass. Uh, so, you know, there are some interesting shortstops here, but I'm just immediately going to look past all the interesting shortstops because they do not draft shortstops. And when I look around at what is kind of left on the board, uh, you know, they do like big, hard throwers. And then you got the kid from Michigan right there and Brock Porter mm-hmm. who fits their style. Now, they have not taken a lot of prep talent since uh, Dave D left. They've been kind of a little more college I know they took Jackson Jobe and they took Riley Green. But I mean, in terms of, you know, it, it, there's been a little bit more of a college lean. But I think in this case, the guy who's been in their backyard, they can scout all year, who to many people is a top 10 talent and fits their model. And let's be honest, they've been actually really good at pitcher development. Love him or hate him. You know, look what Tarek Skubal's doing this year. Casey Mize hasn't been as strong, but he took a step forward last year. Manning, uh, they, they've been good at developing arms. So why not lean into that? Yeah, I mean, local guy there. And then on my thing, I also think this is probably the C, uh, like that, the, the first place where somebody genuinely considers, like here, 12, 13, is where somebody thinks about Kumar Rocker. Probably, you know, this is probably it. He had one start under his belt. Looked good in the start from what I've heard. Uh, But I think this is probably the cap of where people start considering a Kumar Rocker. Um, I've got the Angels at 13. Before I do that, today's episode is brought to you by our friends at Built Bar. Um, Do you love chewy, chocolatey brownies? What if it was a caramel? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What if it was a caramel brownie? With caramel swirled on top. Yeah. So you can have all of that chewy, chocolatey deliciousness plus 17 grams of protein because the caramel brownie bars are available at Built.com right now. You have to act fast, limited time thing. These do sell out. They are a fan favorite, but they are these are better than dessert for you. 130 calories, 17 grams of protein, 4 grams of sugar. Just replace a regular brownie with Built's caramel brownie bar and you're good. 100% real chocolate. You're not sacrificing taste for your health. There's a million reasons you should be eating built bars, but like this will rock your world and not an understatement. This is it's guaranteed to rock the earth that you stand on. Um, go to built.com, use promo code locked15 and get 15% off your order. That's promo code locked15 at built.com. Is it just me or does this one feel like it's kind of easy? It's the Angels, so they're probably going to take a pitcher. And they're probably going to take a college pitcher because they took 20 pitchers last year. 19 of them were college pitchers. They signed 18 of them. Uh, and so. And one of Gabe, them's in the big leagues. This one year. of them's in the big leagues already. Yeah, he's already. Chase Silseth is already up. So um, Gabriel Hughes, righty from Gonzaga. I mean, I just. 
I know that there's guys that they would think about. They'd probably think about a Susack or something like that. But it's just, I mean, Perry Manazian's going to take a pitcher here. He did that. He took 20 pitchers last year. He's going to take one here because that's what they need. So, Gabriel Hughes from Gonzaga. I just want to take a moment and give you credit because I see a lot of people going halfway on the analysis with the Angels and being like, okay, they took a lot of pitchers. Let's give them one of the many prep arms that make sense here. But it's like, no, no, no. Exactly what you said. They took 19 out of 20 college pitchers. Yeah. Just want to give you some credit for doing the analysis that I don't see a lot of people doing. So, Thank you. Uh, you know, hey, tip of the cap, because that's something that annoys me when I see it. So I'm just going to point it out when I see someone doing it. So it's being a teacher. I'm like, good job. You know, keep 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 it doing. Positive, positive reinforcement. reinforcement yeah. You know, it's, yeah. it's uh, what I, I preach all the time. But yeah, no. So it's I think that's something a lot of people are missing when they talk about it. Now, 14, we're back to the Mets. They get rewarded for not giving a guy a contract last year with another pick. You know, I'll say this, though. This is my defense. Uh, I'm, you know, I locked on Guardians. You can see it in the corner here. The Houston Astros saw bad things in Brady Aiken's x-rays and chose not to sign him. That netted them Alex Bregman and Daz Cameron with the money savings they had. That trade then netted them Verlander by having Cameron. So I mean, if the medicals are bad, I don't know what it is. Unless I can see the medicals, I don't know. The Guardians then made the mistake of drafting Aiken, and he was out of baseball because it was that bad. So until I can see, I will stand. You know, I'm not necessarily saying what the Mets did was right, but right. as we discussed before on the air, what Boston did was even worse with Jude Fabian in the second yeah. round, where they they just ignored his bonus demand. With Kumar, at least it was like the Mets got scared by medicals. Yeah, and I'll give them that. you know, so Valid. that's that's my one my one statement to kind of give them a little bit of credit. But I think at this point in time, you're looking at the Mets, you're looking at boards, you're looking at value. You know, would they take a, when you got two first rounders, does it make sense to go and risk a Dylan Lesko right here, who probably would be considered like one of the top seven talents in a normal draft class? Uh, you know, they could also continue, consider uh, Susak. And I'm not going to be scared off about the fact that like their top prospect, or one of their top prospects, I should say, is also a catcher because he's more of a defensive type and Susak's more of an offensive type. I, you know, it's, it's just back and forth because we are at this point where it's like there is that top seven. And then for me, there's like four more guys. And then the next 30 are all about the same. You know, yeah. This next group of 30 could go any way. But if you're talking about ceiling, you're talking about upside, you're looking at that type of guy. Cole Young probably is the ceiling player right here. Now it might surprise people, but again, shortstops rise. I really like Cole Young though. I actually have Jet Williams higher in my personal rankings, but because Williams is so small, that is going to take a big leap of faith that I don't have the belief that the Mets would be willing to make. Daniel Susak is a really interesting guy playing in an extremely hitter friendly environment. And I think we have seen so many recent Arizona guys like Kevin Newman, like Scott Kingery, not, quite translate that you can put up big numbers in the desert doesn't always mean the same thing you can face really bad pack 12 competition as well so i think i think he's getting a little overvalued i think he might slide a bit more than people are expecting because i think teams are very knowledgeable about pack park factors right now right so when you go and you look at cole young the pennsylvania shortstop has potential plus power above average hit you know good athlete can handle the position Shortstops always rise. Uh, looking at their system, you know, Ronnie Mauricio, I've always viewed as more of a second baseman. Maybe that's just me and my own internal head. Not just you. Yeah. You know, uh, so they don't, yeah, and I know Francisco Lindor has the contract that never ends, but shortstops always have trade value. Yeah. And you can make it work. And with his power ability, if you move in his arm, he could end up playing third in the future. Um, 
So it'll balance out. But again, for a guy who went and got Joe Adele, who was not afraid of a few negative things and went for ceiling, I think Cole Young makes a lot of sense for ceiling here. I like it. Um, that's that kind of tracks for me. And uh, no notes. I'm good. Yeah, that's that's yeah, that works. You explained it pretty well. Um, all right. Uh, 15 Padres. Um, AJ Preller has spent a lot of time. Like they like they like preps. They're not afraid to take a hurt kid. A hurt kid. Um. So and then they like the 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 athlete guys. So I think a Jet Williams. I think a Dylan Lesko here. I think this is a good fit for Lesko. If he doesn't go 14 to the Mets, I like the idea of extra first round pick. We can take the risk. We can double up. Plus, it would give the Mets an actual homegrown pitcher, unlike what they have now. Uh, but here at 15, I think the Padres are probably going to do the same thing they've done before. Um, they've, you know, they've got arms. I think they're probably going to go Dylan Lesko. This is probably, this is something where they're going to recognize the value. They've not been afraid to do this before, to take a hurt pitcher, let him rehab. Uh, and then you have a guy, I mean, he just fits in as a prep pitcher, just like they took Mackenzie Gore as a prep pitcher, Ryan Weathers, Justin Lang. Like, he fits in with that. So I think this is where Dylan Lesko falls to, and he stops falling here. No, I could see that. I think this is also like one of the good prime places for Kumar Rocker's name uh, as well. True. That's my only side note. My, my other question is, do we do a cliffhanger for the Guardians fans and stop here and then do uh, the first pick for oh, next of time? Yeah, of course we that, do. That's got to be yeah. the way to do it. Uh, to Guardians fans who listen to this whole time, thank you. Uh, it is, you know, good draft coverage. I will, I will be fair, and in the title, say that we're only going to 15 in the first half, so nobody gets too mad at me. But yeah, I think it's it's a good time for a cliffhanger. And uh, while we didn't talk about any Ohio kids here, we might talk about an Ohio kid in the second half of this mock. You'll have to sit, listen, and see if uh, if uh, you know Union, not Uniontown, um, if Miller breaks in here or not. Look at that cliffhanger. Jeff, where can folks go to find you and all of your, your stuff and your pod? Uh, you can find me at Locked on Guardians, wherever you find Locked on Guardians. And then my Twitter is uh, at Jeff MLB Draft, based on the you know my previous job as a draft and prospect writer. Uh, and then look forward to our big draft show this year. I'll start hyping that now. I did it last year um, with RM. It'll be a lot of fun to do it with Lindsay this year. And I'm, we'll have it covered this year. Uh, you know, I, I hope we can do the full three hours. Uh, I know at the end of last year, we kind of petered out a bit, but I'm looking forward to having a full three hour show. Uh, as long as Lindsay is able to do that, I, I will say I'm not going to wrap anyone else. I mean, I'm the fool who in 2020 did a three hour draft show one-on-one. You can find the YouTube on my personal YouTube channel. I wouldn't recommend it. It's not great. You know, production value <laughs> it was before we were doing any YouTube here at locked on in my, uh, yeah. my second year at the network. But yeah, no, I, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, I'm on Twitter at Crosby Baseball. My show locked in, locked on MLB prospects is available wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. And we will finish this draft tomorrow.